And just like that, we are live. Here we go today, live streaming with my good friends, new friends in the music industry, Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank welcome. you. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Yeah. And um, of all the days that we could have done this on as well, it's uh, kind of a little treat for myself as well, uh, but we'll get into that a bit later. So the reason that we're here today and we're broadcasting is we wanted to sort of get a little bit more live and interactive with everyone. And there's a few topics, some recent developments in the music industry that we wanted to get into and talk about. As we warm up to those, I feel like the first thing that we should jump into right now, getting straight into it, is holiday housekeeping. And uh, Jay, I know that you are very passionate about this as you go to take a trip right now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but if either of you two want to kick it off, I know we had a great discussion off camera before about artists, what they can do during the holiday season, uh, aside from, of course, spending time with family and loved ones, uh, what else could they be doing? Michael, I'll let you kick it off so I can have some coffee. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and this comes up because keep in mind, basically from Thanksgiving through the first couple weeks of January, this business in general goes into hibernation mode. Not a lot is going to get done. Nobody should be releasing any music at this point for the next month or so. Um, so it's a good time for you to clean up everything that you've neglected for the last 11 months because you've been really busy. And I sort of call it, yeah, holiday housekeeping, end of the year. Um, these are just a lot of little things that you should do that will, will probably be very beneficial next year. And I'll, I'll start off with one of them. So all of your social networks have this ability to have third-party apps post for you, log in using your IDs, all that sort of stuff. So I would suggest reviewing all of the apps that have access to all of your social networks. And you can find that by basically going into the settings area of all your social networks. And you might be surprised to find out that there's an app that has access to post to your Twitter account that you don't know about that you've never used. And you can easily just click remove. Yep. yep. And there's so many of these things that we use all the time, whether it's your socials or your email platform or a lot of these tools that we use to market, you know, a bot letter or. Yeah, you connect, you connect it to your Twitter account, yeah. you connect it to your Facebook. And it might and be for no other reason than it. logging in using the ID from Twitter or Facebook or something else you can revoke that access if you no longer use those apps. And, right. and I, again, I do that every, at the end of every year. And I myself, even though I'm, I, I try and stay on top of everything, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that app from six months ago that I thought was going to be very cool and very helpful, and I've never used it since. Right. Get it out of there because right. all that stuff could be a potential hack. Yep. And on the other side of that, and we talked about this just briefly before we started, is there's a lot of folks that have access to your accounts and you have access to other people's accounts if you're working with them. Maybe you're on their team. Maybe you're an admin. Maybe it's the other way around. But I think we all want to have this looked at, you know, every few months. But sometimes, you know, we get busy. But if you mark that in your calendar at the end of the year, you kind of do this check in and you go and look and go, OK, 
who's got access to my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you know, whatever, do they still need access, right? And then on the other side, do I really need to be the admin for this artist or this page? It's just a good idea to just kind of go through all of these different tools, all of the socials, all the DSPs, all of this stuff, and just see where you're at and where you should be and just make those corrections. And and, and I, I would add to what Jay just said, when I've worked with clients that um, have label deals, usually the label and maybe a small roster of people from the label are granted some level of access to a sure. Facebook page. Maybe not admin, but they've got editorial access, they've got advertising, they've got analytics access, all the different levels. You need to go through once a year and find all these people and go, all right, here's six people. I don't know who they are, but that says they're with the label and go follow up. You know, first of all, if you're not on that label anymore, clearly they don't need access. Right. But if you're still with the label, check in with whoever your A&R project manager, whoever the, the lead is and ask them, who are these people and do they still need access? And if they don't remove them, because quite often a lot of them are interns yeah. and interns only, come and go. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that, Michael, is that a lot of the artists that I work with have PR firms that have access to yep. the back end of, say, their Facebook or through their MailChimp or Constant Contact or something like that. It's the same thing. It's just putting an exclamation point on what you just said. Just go through there annually and see, do these people really need to be still on my team here? And 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 obviously, when you do a lot of shows... You're going to probably have venues and promoters that want advertising access. They can't post anything on your page, but they can spend money to promote a show. But obviously, it was for a one show six months ago. They don't need it. You know, it's basically if your tour's done, just delete everybody who you gave advertising access. You always re-add later. They, they yeah, if they them. if they need it next year, they'll ask for it, and you just give it back to them. It's much better to keep a tight control of who has access so you don't wake up one day going, how did I get kicked out of my own page and I don't have control of it anymore? Right. And, and that comes back to, Mike, what you said, and we touched on this just a, briefly, is you know change all those passwords. Make it that one annual time that you go through and you change all of those passwords. Yeah, because there's, there's some accounts you know, like Twitter and stuff like that, where you can't really grant admin access to a th another person. So you just give them the password. At the end of the year, even if they still need access, just change the password because you don't know who else might have that password to your account. Yeah, and just adding to that as well, for anybody that uses a service like Apple Keychain, uh, there's a really good feature in there where it will tell you if you've used the same password on multiple websites and it will it will show you all of those websites so if your spotify password is the same as your apple music the same as your facebook the same as your linkedin change it immediately uh, because it's not that hard for somebody to guess if the password is exactly the same on each service yeah. they don't even need to hack your email or anything else they can just simply guess that and log in um, i've had to make an effort of doing that myself in the past because I realized I got really, uh, you know, as we start to rely on more and more services online to keep track of our finances, our personal life, you know, our professional relationships, uh, everything. Yeah. 
it's really important that you have a separate password for each of these sites so that if somebody were to get one, they can't ruin everything for you. <laughs> and it's a lot easier to get it back on one site than it is to try and remember those 200 plus sites that you've signed up to over the years where you still have a presence on there and somebody could potentially harm your reputation or get access to extra information or whatever they want to do. And yeah. and, and I, I would add that that a different password on each site is more than just your album name one, album name two, album name three. I've seen that before. It needs to be completely unique. And and I I personally use an application called LastPass, which is very much like Apple's keychain as well. It can generate passwords that are 30 characters long, that are random numbers, random letters, yeah, no random everything in there, it's not going to get broken. No one's going to guess that password. You need a password manager to remember it because God knows you can't remember all of that. Yeah. Michael so, turned me on to LastPass. I've been using it and, and it and works really cool well. A cool feature in LastPass is you can actually share passwords without revealing the password to the person. So if you bring somebody into your team, a marketing, a publicity person, and they need a password, you can share it to them through LastPass. They use the LastPass. They'll be able to log in. They can't see the password, but it'll work. It'll log them in. And when you're done, you just unshare it, and they yep. no longer have access. And you don't have to change it then when you remove them. Absolutely. And... um any other bits on holiday housekeeping before we get into? Yeah, I, I think a big one that Jay and I are a big yeah. fan of is also just review and update all the branding across everything. And this means bios, profiles, about information, uh, header images, profile images, all of that stuff over the course of a year can get a little bit disjointed from Facebook to Twitter, yeah. to Instagram, to YouTube, to Spotify, to Apple Music, just go through and look at it and go, hey, am I using the same profile photo everywhere? Yeah. Do I have you the same bio? Yeah. Oh my God, I discovered that some on one of these, I have a tour banner from three months ago. Get mm -hmm. the banner off and put a generic banner up there. Yeah, consistency um, is key here. And and Michael and I see this all the time where we'll go in and look at somebody's, you know, socials or their DSP images. And there's there's let's say there's a photo and there's somebody who's not even in the band anymore. You know, we actually see this stuff. Yeah. But you should do it more regularly, but at least once a year, you know, go in there, make sure you're consistent. It's the it's the brand that you want, it's the imaging that you want that that, you know, bio and those social links on Spotify, for example, you know, that they're accurate and they're up to date, right? And, you know, I, I one last thing, going back to where we talked about who's got access to your socials, um, especially with the explosion of Spotify for artists and Apple for Apple Music for artists, go in there and review who's got access to those pages as well. You can have team members that have access to your Spotify for artists. If it's an old, again, if it's an old label person and you're not on that label anymore, they don't need access to your, your Spotify data. They don't need access to your- Could be a former manager, your, could be a former exactly. girlfriend. So, so don't, don't forget to look at Spotify and Apple Music for that access as well. Yeah. Awesome. 
Well, that leads me on to our next talking point, which I know that title may shock some people, but uh, I just wanted to put this out there. This happened to me personally a few weeks ago. I was sitting there listening to Spotify and all of a sudden the song changed. And then I realized and I had a look at my screen and shortly after I saw that it was now streaming from a web browser that I don't even have installed on my system. And it was cycling different songs from artists and, you know, obviously playing for more than 30 seconds and then switching to the next song as well, which we know the reason for concern when we see that kind of activity. Right. Um, Fortunately, they didn't delete any of my playlists. They didn't do anything else while they were in there. Very quickly, because I happened to be listening at the time, I was able to go in uh, to Spotify.com, log in, change my password, number one, straight away. And then set that, of course, then I would log back in and I would log out on every device that I was signed in on, which would kick the other person out and they wouldn't be able to get back in. Once I had done that, I went in and looked at the apps that were connected to Spotify and revoked access on a lot of them. Now, there are apps in there such as Unwrapped. Every year when Spotify do Unwrapped, there'll yeah. be a separate app that's created for that. Uh, no concern there. But sometimes we have logged on to websites before where it could be to enter a competition or something like that, and it will say, log in with Spotify. You've already completed that task. You can remove that app now so that they don't have access to your account anymore. Uh, so I would definitely suggest doing that. Actually, just this morning, I got a text from my wife who has a completely separate account. She sent me a screenshot and said, hey, I was listening to Spotify at work in my headphones. The song changed and it now says that somebody is streaming from a Firefox browser somewhere. I've never heard this song in my life and I'm not logged in anywhere else. So once again, I had to follow those steps, yeah. change the password, sign out everywhere. She didn't have any extra apps connected, um, but Facebook was connected. So I just went ahead and removed that link as well, just as an extra layer of security. I'm not saying that you necessarily need to take that extra step. Yeah. But in this case, if you're not using it and there's no, if you're not logging in with your Facebook account, then it's okay to remove that link between the two. I find this really interesting, Mike, for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, this, it's kind of new. I haven't seen it happen on mine yet, um, but I am allowing access with, you know, the link fires and uh, smart URLs of the world, you know, for pre-save, pre-ads, you know, those types of things. And I'm wondering, you know, they're, these are legitimate companies, but I'm wondering if there is a backdoor somehow where hackers can find their way in whether it's to increase streams, whether it's to, you know, cause damage, whether it's just to have a free account. Um, but I find all of this stuff really fascinating. I think we should, uh, you know, stay on top of this and see where this leads because, you know, any, you give anybody a chance, you know, to mess with something and they will. They'll always look for a way to game the system until, That's right. until the door gets shut on them. It's human nature. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, apart from the obvious uh, concerns about the activity that's going on, just the fact that my listening history, somebody could be listening to music that's completely, you know, yeah. not my style, not my not my jam. And now well, your yeah, recommendations it, are going to get screwed well, yeah, up. Yeah, I was right? just going to yeah. say your, 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 your Discover Weekly, your new release, release radar, radar is yeah. going to 
reflect that. You know, this isn't the same same thing, but I, a funny story. I mean, I remember somebody telling me once that, you know, they don't use those playlists because they're filled with all kinds of garbage songs. And I go, and, I, and through further discussion, I found out, well, yeah, because he lets his daughter use his account. He lets his wife use his account. And then Spotify doesn't know it's three different people using one login. Right. They think it's just one person. So it jumps from Judas Priest to some children's music. Right. And you, you can't know? turn it off like you can on Amazon. Like Amazon has this great feature where if you've got your your kids using it or your wife using it, it, it it's going to take in into consideration everything that you're browsing, right? Everything that you're buying. But you can go in there and basically turn off stuff which I think is awesome. I wish they had that on you know, Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, et cetera, you know, so you could really fine tune. Because you know, we use these services a lot for work. And so I'll listen to every genre. And, I, and then, of course, that gets dropped into my release radar, Discover Weekly, that sort of thing. You know. And I would like to have that option to turn that off. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, private listening mode is one solution for now. But uh, another solution is, Get a family plan. I was going to say, family plan will we'll, we'll solve that as well. Yeah. Perfect holiday gift. Hey, I spent an extra $5 and there's you know four other people that live in my household. That's a very, very cheap holiday gift that, you know, the gift that you can give all year round. So, That's um, right. Yeah, if you, if you are finding that your release radar, you discover weekly, is starting to deliver some pretty funky music, that is not your jam, it could be because you are sharing that account. And mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing wrong with sharing that account in your house, but eventually it's it's going to start to think that it knows you, but really it knows. Well, yeah, just, just know what, well, just know know what's going to happen because you share it. I mean, it's just the way yeah. the software works. Spotify has amazing playlists that are algorithm driven based on your activity. It's not human curated. It's a computer curated and it can only tell what you click play on. That's it. And it's going to give you more of that. Mike, you got to tell this hacker that, you know, he needs to be part of your family plan so he doesn't screw up your uh, algorithm. <laughs> I, I won't say the name of the song I played because uh, the, the title is pretty um, racy. Yeah, well, let, that's that's a nice way of putting it, let's say. But let's just <laughs> say that I sent them a big F you uh, by playing a song with that in the title um, <laughs> before I kicked them out. Nice. The last thing that would have been playing if they were actually listening. Well played, sir. Good move, well good move. Yeah. Now, I, I felt pretty good about that. I go, you know what? No, they deserve this. They know what they did. This was no accident. So, uh, yeah, that felt good. It was, it was a little bit of fun, um, but even better to regain full control of my account. Um, you know what? We were talking about families and sharing streaming accounts and playing each other's music in the house. I feel like we could jump onto this next, smart speakers. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that they're listening and uh, they don't necessarily know who's speaking at all times. But, uh, what you know, what's your opinion on smart speakers? Do you guys use them? Have you I use all of them. Um, oh. I have all of them on my desk. So I have to be very careful what I say. And, you know, I can turn them off, you know, when I talk about them, I'm a big fan of smart speakers. And my concern is really about, you know, how do I get my music, meaning my artists to have their music? Like if you say play music by this artist, uh, I want my artist to come up. 
You know, I want my release to come up. And it's a, a lot of it has to do with metadata, right? Delivering the right metadata. But if you have a slight accent, sometimes it won't find what you're looking for. Or you, you have to do it phonetically. You know, there are artists that I will ask it to play and it can't, but if I say the, the last name phonetically, it will it'll play. Now, to be fair, Apple has been very open to receiving feedback so they can get it to their engineers. Kudos to them. Um, David Dieterer, who runs the uh, you know Amazon uh, Echo team in Seattle, he's been very open to, you know, they want to correct all of this stuff. But going forward, you know, metadata is delivered in so many different ways from so many different sources. As an industry, we need to get together and figure out what fields we're, we're all going to deliver. So without going down that rabbit hole, look, they're, they're all amazing. You know, when you talk to the folks at Amazon, they'll tell you that, you know, the number one thing that people ask for besides children's music is chill. Well, what is chill, right? If you ask for jazz, is that traditional jazz? Is it smooth jazz? Is it, you know, so we have a long way to go. I think Amazon is quietly in the background building these amazing smart playlists that are, you know, like play me the best songs from the year I graduated or, you know, things like that. Um, it's, it's becoming less about genre and more about mood and lifestyle. I, I think it's really, really exciting. And then the, the last thing I'll say is I, I ordered this um, Atmos uh, player. And if you haven't heard Atmos um, it's kind of, it's the theater sound. Like when you're in a theater and you can hear the cup breaking behind your head, it's not surround sound. This is a, a digital thing where they can place the sound in different places in a space, right? So the uh, Amazon is coming out with an echo device that plays Atmos uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, and I'm really interested in hearing, you know, how that sounds. But these, these smart speakers are evolving so fast and there's so many different kinds and there's so many different brands. I think it's, it's really exciting. Um, but I think we're also still, you know, it's in its infancy. Yeah. I, I, I love, um, I love smart speakers like Jay. I've got a couple of them here that I have to be careful what I say, or they'll start talking back to me. But what, what, what I think, you know, what's the smart speaker represents is more than just a smart speaker. It's voice control. At, at its core, that's what this is. And this is showing that the simplest way for a human to control another device is just to talk to it and have it understand what you're saying. Whether that is a speaker, whether that's, yeah, I mean, look at the plethora of devices Amazon recently released, you know, microwaves and, and all sorts of smart devices. Um, that's where it's going. It is going to follow the trend of voice control where I still, and, and Jay, you and I have talked about this in some past episodes. I think where the big breakthrough will finally hit is when that hits the automobile. When smart voice control hits your car. Now, obviously, you can now have an echo device in your car that you talk to it. 
and it turns your lights on as you're driving home. It turns your Nest device on. It, you know, starts the TV. I mean, good Lord, you can have it. You could have food in the microwave and start the microwave before you even get home. So when you walk in, it's done. You think about all of that and it's incredible, but that's in a, it takes in a, it takes a lot of accurate data to Jay's point to understand what you're saying. I mean, we still to this day at, at our house, I mean, we, we, we use Amazon for turning on lights and TV. And I would say 90% of the time it understands, it, it understands me the first time. It's not quite as accurate understanding my wife and my six-year-old daughter even less. And sometimes it's just, it, it's funny because it's a human nature. I'm just like, oh, Amazon, just shut up. You don't know what you're doing. Stop. You know, I'm 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 yelling at this this inanimate yeah. device like it's a person who's not behaving well. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's as you said, it's in its infancy right now. Yeah. And the potential of what it's going to be able to do for me personally is mind-boggling. I mean, everything yeah, could have funny. this voice control. Yeah. Now, now the challenge is You've got voice control from Google. You've got voice control from Apple. You've got voice control from Amazon. It really would be nice to have one voice control to control everything. So you don't have to remember what's the keyword to kick this device off versus that device. Right. And even your smart TVs now you're, you're talking to. The one bit of advice I would give people who are in a band or in management or labels or distribution is... You know, when you do your Friday street date check and you're checking, you know, uh, Apple Music, Amazon, Pandora, Deezer, you're going down the list, making sure that your, your music is everywhere it's supposed to be. At the end of that list, there's there's two things that I always add. One is what happens when you Google it, right? And then the last thing is what happens when you check it on the smart speakers? Just say, you know, hey, device, play blank by blank and see what happens. Sometimes, you know, you'll find that there are other bands that have the same name that get played or there's some words in band names that are very common and they struggle with that. But make that a part of your weekly check when you're checking releases just to make sure that your music is being played properly. Yeah, definitely. And um, what I love about I, I, I love the fact that we can't say the names of <laughs> right. the, the, the artists that can't be named. Because otherwise we'll have everything going off in here. That's right. It reminds me of an episode of South Park where Cartman got one of each and he got them to all have come to each other. each other. And <laughs> everyone that was watching at home, watching that episode. Their devices go off went off and started to add boogers to their you show. Want, you, you, you want to do something like that that's fun? On, on the Amazon Echo devices, you can change the name to computer. So you Which can we've done because we have I, I, I've done that as well because as, as a Star Trek geek, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Computer, turn on the lights. Well, if you also happen to watch Star Trek, boy, does that screw up your smart speakers. <laughs> because in Star Trek, they're saying computer all the time. Right. And, That's hilarious. And now, now your smart speaker's trying to talk back to the computer on Star Trek. Yeah. I can't wait till they have, like, all these different celebrity voices so you can just choose somebody's voice 
You know, Isn't to be who is Samuel L. Jackson coming real yeah, soon? Yeah, I read Amazon? about that for for Amazon. You know, but how how fun would it be to have you know, I don't know, Homer Simpson or somebody? You know, I I I wonder if there's been anybody who's done any research to see if there's been a drop in people naming daughters Alexa. Yeah. Because they don't want to turn on their smart speaker every time they ask for their daughter. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know any any women named S I R I. Right. I'm not going to say it, but or or people named Google. Yeah. See, it might be okay from you guys, but with my accent, if I say a different word, it'll still pick it up. So uh, let's hope it doesn't go off right now. But if I say, "Oh, you're being silly." I'll, I'll get, you know, you know who will pop up and say, how can I help you? And I'll go, hey, <laughs> I don't need you right now. Please, please go away. That happens all the time anyway. Do you guys find that? Like you're just walking through your kitchen or your office and it just starts talking. Like I can't find that right now. And you're like, I didn't say anything. I, I just had that happen to me like last night. I, and, and it was because I was watching a TV show and I think the dialogue said something that sounded like Alexa. Uh, it wasn't that, but it was a phrase that sounded like it. And she responded. She's like, I'm sorry, I can't find what you're looking for. And I'm just like, I uh, didn't ask you for anything. Every time there's a deal on a, on a brand new Lexus uh, on the TV, she goes off. Um, That's so- funny. I have to stop muting the ads now. But but I I think well, back to yeah, the, the original point of smart speakers. They are here to stay. Yeah, and they it's are gonna only get gonna, They're only going to get better, and they're gonna they're gonna show up everywhere. I mean, not just speakers. It, it's watches, TVs, smartphones, tablets. Yeah, building it into your car already. Your, your you car. Get everything Turn is the temperature going to down. Have this. So yeah. all you got to do is talk. And at the end of the day. I think it's great. I mean, again, I think it's the ultimate interface. It's just needs to be taught to understand what you're saying. And you need to, I think part of the challenge from the user standpoint is realizing what are all of the commands I can ask it? Because, you know, back to the end of the year stuff, I actually just did this a couple nights ago. I opened up my Alexa app to catch up because it's like, yeah, I haven't used, I haven't gone into the settings on that app in about three months. God, the features that have been added to it and you can connect this and adjust that and create voice profiles and all sorts of other you create stuff. Create your own skills. Yeah. All sorts of things you can do. So, you know, I encourage you also to stay on top of whatever device you're using. Go into the settings for that app and see what is being added and what's new. Um, this is going to be some amazing stuff. Yeah. And make sure your metadata is correct. If you're delivering music, um, that metadata is so important because that's what these speakers use. And, uh, that's everything from, you know, artist title, you know, all of those things are part of your metadata, but it's crucial that you work with, you know, if you're doing it yourself, if you're going through a, a DIY distributor, like a CD baby tune core, uh, symphonic, you know, things like that. Always make sure that you're looking at your at your metadata. And when you're submitting music, let's say for Spotify for artists, you fill out a lot of that metadata yourself. 
And it's super important when it comes to these things. Do, do you guys think we're approaching a point where artists need to maybe second guess an album title, a song title, if it's difficult to even pronounce that I the do. average average person looks at it and goes, I don't even know how to pronounce that, let alone let alone pronounce it the correct way. Or it's too common. Or, or yeah. So I mean, you know, it I we, do. you know, for, for years we've been at the point where it's like, all right, when you pick a band name, you got to see what the Google search results are for your band name and is it still available on the social networks? Are we at that point where you now have to start thinking about is the song title too hard for the average person to pronounce? You know what's yeah. interesting about this is um, it, it is new in the way that we now have these voice assistants and all these smart speakers and all these devices we talk to. And moving forward, we're going to be doing more talking and less actual typing and necessarily even looking at a screen to listen to music. But you know, when I was looking at a name for my group uh, when we when we were starting out, which sounds like it was a long time ago, but it wasn't, one of the things that we were keeping in mind was whenever it gets played on radio, the host, if they back announce the track at the end, we wanted people to very easily know how to type that in, uh, exactly. how to find our website and how right. to find it everywhere else. So right. I you know, it's always been important. Obviously, there's some artists out there that can get away with having a really unique name and they can teach everyone exactly how to pronounce it. Yeah. I'm not saying that this will apply to all artists, but if you're starting out and you're, you're all about capturing every opportunity and being able to say it in a conversation and have people go, oh, yeah, okay, I, 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 know, how to, I know how to find that. Yeah. As you... Yeah oh, let me spell it for you or write it down on a piece of paper and hand it to you. Just keep that in mind. Right. It shouldn't be an odd spelling or something that, you know, people, you got to, you want to make it as easy as possible, right? For people to, to find it. One of the things, Mike, that you had in your book that I've been telling people for a while, and I think it's, it's really smart to, to, to Michael's point, things are evolving and changing in the business. Like, Make sure you don't have a super long intro of your song because that can lead to more skips, right? The old adage, don't bore us, get to the chorus. You know, we're finding that some of the songs that have the chorus, maybe either as an intro or earlier in the song, have a little bit more success, right? So there are, you can't paint everything with this broad stroke, but when you're talking about smart speakers, it yeah, I do think that it's going to change the way that we're releasing music, that we're thinking about releasing music, the way we choose our band names, the way we choose our album titles, our song titles, because you have to think about those things now when somebody hears it. Mike, to your point, are they going to be able to spell it? Because if, if they, or if it's something that's so common that when they Google it, a million things come up and it, you're not in the top search phrases, you know, you're harming yourself. So you do have to think about those things. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's funny, you mentioned metadata and when you're uploading your songs and things to keep in mind with song titles and artist names, uh, that kind of leads us to this next talking point about <laughs> mind-blowing number Crazy. of tracks that are being uploaded every day right now and uh, the number of US streams this year yeah. alone passing one trillion 
Yeah, and the year's not even over, right? Now, at the same point last year, I wrote this down, we were at 765 billion, which is still mind-boggling. But the 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 stat here that pops out at me is that 40,000 new tracks being uploaded, you know, every day. Like how do you rise above the clutter as a musician, as a manager, as a music marketer, whatever your role is, that's our challenge now is it's it's not about just putting your music out there. We can all put our music online globally tomorrow, right? How cool is that? But how do you engage an audience? How do you grow that audience? And then the last thing I'll say about this is this, as we're watching streaming grow, we're about 30% year over year up, which is amazing, right? It's absolutely amazing. Um, more people are engaged. I hate using the word consume, but they are. More people are consuming music now. I think the opportunities are immense, but the challenges are immense too. Yeah, you know, you're right. That 40,000 is is huge. When you just think about how many songs are being put out every day. And, and it goes back to something I've always said to clients, just friends, you name it. It's like, yeah, you think you've got an amazing song, the best song out there. But if nobody hears it because there's 39,999 other songs that got uploaded the same day as your song, is it a great song? Because nobody had the chance to hear it. How do you, as you said, Jay, rise above it? And and I think that that just lends more importance to it's not it doesn't end with just writing and recording a great song you have to have marketing and promotion ready to go because if nobody hears it other than you your boyfriend your girlfriend and your parents it doesn't michael are you saying that we should have a marketing plan ahead of time yeah, you 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 have to because you know I I've been using computers for a long time. I remember when desktop publishing first exploded. It's a good analogy. When when the Apple it was probably the Apple Mac Plus and Apple released this amazing piece of hardware called the Laser Writer, mm-hmm. the very first laser printer. I mean, it was big, heavy. And it probably changed cost, the game. It changed the game. It probably cost five thousand dollars to get one of these, but it changed the game in the sense that before that laser printer, when I did um, desktop layout for my clients, you'd print it out. You'd use an exacto knife. You'd mock it up, and you'd take this hard copy and go to a printer, and they'd print it. Now with the laser writer. You do it all. It comes all out, formatted, designed, laid out, everything, saving you immense time and money. And you just take that one printout and go to the printer and say, make me copies of it. But when that happened, everybody became a desktop publisher. Yeah. Because the tools yeah. became available. What were you and using? PageMaker or Quark? PageMaker. You know, probably the PageMaker 1.0, if you think about it. I remember those days. Um, so, you know, and, and there were discussions back then about, all right, that's the end of desktop publishing because now everybody's able to do it and everybody 
doesn't have the right to do it because you don't have the skills to do it. I'm just like, don't worry about it. You know, over time, the crap's going to fall to the, the bottom. The cream will rise to the top. The cream's going to rise. I mean, isn't the that crap. the same with podcasts too? I mean, podcasts, music, everything else. Yes, I love it. Yes, we live in a time in the music cl climate now in the music business where everybody can release an album. Mm -hmm. That's not a big deal. Everybody can record an album. Let's back you up. Do it on your you iPad. Know, 30 years ago, not everybody could even record an album. Now you can record an album. Yeah, not even you on your even, iPad. You can record it on this thing. You don't even know have, you don't have to know how to play an instrument. So you can record it. You can spend 30 bucks and get it out onto every single DSP around the world. No problem. But that doesn't mean it's good. Mm. It doesn't mean people are going to discover it. It doesn't mean people are going to listen to it. So your job now is how do you get to the top? of that 40,000 tracks every day that are being released. What are you doing to move up the ladder to get more and more exposure? I'll more tell you what I do. I'd hack into my Spotify. There you go. <laughs> Please don't do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> Just kidding. No, but it is funny. You know, we talk about the number of tracks that are being uploaded every day. 40,000 tracks as an average number. Obviously, it's not that exact number every day, but as an average, uh, it's funny. The amount of artists that I speak to, established or not quite established yet in, in the earlier stages, um, who have great music, they're so proud of it, they've poured their heart into it, they've poured money into getting it mixed and mastered, sounding great, and then I, they, I realized they haven't even signed up for Spotify for Artists, let alone submitted it for editorial consideration or to make sure it gets into release radar. And so, and then by the time you usually have that conversation with them, you find out the song has been out for one week and really hasn't had any traction. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sometimes, you know, we get too excited. We go, wow. With my distributor, I could have my song on iTunes in four hours. That's great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, exciting. That's, that's a cool feature. It's cool yeah. that you can get it out that quick. But what artists need to know is when a song looks like it came out overnight, it didn't come out overnight. It's been sometimes up to a year of planning, especially if it's a larger artist, a major artist that we're talking about. They didn't just walk into Apple Music and go, hey, I got a new song and um, I want it to come out tomorrow and I want my fans to be surprised. They might have gone in there six months earlier with their team and had a discussion about it and planned it. Um, yeah. Or an independent artist, obviously you're not going to be walking directly into Apple Music or Spotify, not quite yet anyway. Uh, but if you haven't done the very minimum and at least gone to artists.spotify.com, got your account that's free, and then follow that very simple process to submit your music, then you're already falling behind. And um, I can guarantee you out of those 40,000 on average tracks that are uploaded every day, there's probably, there's probably less than 5% that are even going into Spotify for artists and submitting that music. And it could be some people just aren't aware and, you know, I really want to raise awareness that it's a free tool. You don't have to pay any money. It's probably the most important submission Spotify-related that you should be focusing on. 
Right. Yeah, and I can agree with you more. I, I, you know, one of the things, Mike, that you touch on in your book, and and again, I think this is really important. There's a lot of music coming out, but there's some basic, simple things that you can do to make sure that you're you're teeing yourself up for success, right? You were talking about Spotify for artists. Well, that's that's really important. But when you hear music, whether it's on the radio or online, you don't go looking into playlists to find that music. You go to that artist page and, and we'll use Spotify because that's the example we're talking about. One of the things you, you talk about in your book and Michael and I stress this to people all the time, and I'm talking about people who are DIY all the way up to established artists that should know better, is you've got an opportunity there, right? You've got an opportunity for an updated bio. You've got an opportunity for you know some really great images. You've got an opportunity for your social links. There's all of this stuff. And it's one of the ways that will help you when people go to that artist page and go, gosh, I've never, I've never heard of this guy before. Oh, well, here's, you know, in the artist pick, there's kind of a, here are the songs you should be listening to. I can click on about and go, oh, I can learn about this. I can see what they look like. I can read a little bit about it. I can go to their socials. These are simple things that get neglected on every level. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I always tell the artists, I go, it's, it's another home. You know, sometimes it's the first place that people actually find out more about you. So as a listener, if I hear a song that I like, I go directly to that artist's profile. And this, this isn't just Spotify. This is wherever I'm listening, yeah. Apple Music, YouTube, TV. wherever. This goes on. You know, I click on their name. I go to their profile. I want to find out more about them. I hope their bio is up to date. I, if I see a few photos, that might give me an idea into their personality, their sense of fashion, uh, you know, what their live concerts look like, uh, you know, and then most importantly, links that are correct and working to their social media. So I can go, you know what, they seem like a fun person. I'm going to follow them on Twitter and Instagram and see what else they're up to and what else they're doing. Uh, so you really need to make it easy for people from that first point when they discover you to follow you in other places and continue to follow you and discover you because they're not just discovering your music, they're actually discovering you as a person as well. And, you know, it's great to love somebody's music, but if you also love them and find them entertaining or funny or wh whatever it is. Yeah, that's, that's where you get engagement, right? You know, I, I think the, the the most important thing Jay said was the comment about you've got to get your basics in order. And that's the number one thing that I see over and over and over again are, are artists who want to go out and do the newest, hottest, coolest. Let me do this. I'm putting all my effort into this. And I'm like, you don't even have a basic email list. You don't even have, you know, your your YouTube page doesn't even have a bio on it. It you haven't even customized the the channel landing page. Um, you know, get these basics taken care of across all of the different channels that you need to be. And you really only have to do that once, maybe once a year. You know, at the end of the year, you check and update all those channels. But you do that once. And now you've got all that basic stuff taken care of. All the groundwork is finished. You'll look professional. 
Now move on to the next rung of the ladder and move up and move up and move up. You can't start at the bottom and jump all the way up to the top, you know, to the 10th floor. It doesn't work that way. There is no secret success to get from here to there overnight. I mean, we've all seen these people. We've all heard about it. It doesn't work. If it did, every single artist would be multimillionaires because it's just a matter of following a formula. There's no formula. It's work. And work starts with getting the basic building blocks in order. If you can't do the basics, you're not going to be able to continue and do all the other fancy stuff that happens. Because quite honestly, all these other things that you want to try are probably tied into some of those basic building blocks that you haven't set up properly. And then you're sitting here going, well, I'm trying to troubleshoot why this isn't working. Oh, it's because I got the wrong name down here in this setting. Go through the basics. I know it's not sexy. It's not fun. But you got to do it. You've got to update photos. You've got to update bios. You've got to update titles. You've got to do all of that stuff first. Yeah, a long-term strategy as well. I mean, once once you've done this and you've set it up and you've got the basics in place, you can go back, like you said, once per year. That's it. That should be enough. If your bio updates more frequently, maybe you need to look at a more general bio instead of dropping the name of the next track in your bio each time. Uh, but, you know, what I've seen a lot of artists do is have, very simple, have a checklist. And whether it's a, a piece of paper that they've made multiple copies of and every time, you know, they have a new release or once a year, they just run down that chain and go, yeah. okay, Spotify profile, are my links correct? Uh, YouTube, is everything correct? Uh, you know, and make sure that, you know, your website especially, the amount of times that artists, I'll find them and I'll, you know, I'll like something about their music, I'll like their track, I'll hear their album. I go and find their website because I'm trying to find other places that they are online. Most of the time I go to their website, uh, the link is, you know, the domain has been taken down because they didn't pay their bill of $20 for two years or whatever, which is crazy. I've uh, seen that so many times. Oh, it's really it, it is so sad, Mike. Isn't it? It's just sad to see somebody who's like, wait a second, your website isn't even working. And it's been this way for six months. They don't Is anybody it. paying attention? Here's, here's the thing about it, right? Right now, that website costs you $20 for two years, just as a rough idea. It could be less, it could be a little more. If you take off as an artist, you can be sure that when you go to claim that domain in a few years from now, somebody, somebody else is going to sell it to you. $10,000. Yeah, it'll be a lot more. And, you know, I know, I know it may, you know, artists aren't necessarily making a lot of money, but that is one investment. I would say go claim that domain for your artist's name as quickly as you can. And just even if it's just sitting there and you're not using it and it's just a placeholder, at least you know that if something takes off in your career and people are going to start looking for you, you've got that place for them that they can always find you. Regardless of what happens in the future, you always have that website. That's right. Go there and find out where you are now. Think of the domain name as owning real estate. Yeah. That's what, that's the equivalent of uh, in the real world, 
a domain name is like you bought a street corner and it's yours. You don't have to put anything on it. You can leave it a vacant lot if you want, but you own the land and it's there for you to do anything you want. If you don't buy it, somebody else is going to come along, buy it, build something else up there. And if you want in, it's going to cost you more. Domain names, as you said, Mike, they're cheap. I mean, I I, I probably own over 100, 200 domain names. Just buy them. You know, maybe in three years, you're like, oh, I never did anything with it. Okay, then then you can let it go. But buy that domain name, sit on it, own it. It's yours. The same goes for Facebook profiles, Twitter accounts, all of that stuff. Grab the Gmail address that you might need. Sit on those things. Because if something starts happening, as you said, Mike, some fan, here, here's a perfect example. Um, when I was working with KISS and we, we built and launched KISS's website, Kiss on, it's kissonline.com now. But when we launched it back in 98, we had to launch it as kissonline.net because a fan owned kissonline.com. And it took probably six months to a year of negotiations to acquire the domain from the fan. Yeah. You know, it happens. It still happens. It's very real. Um, you save yourself a lot of headache and a lot of expense if you just plop down that 10 bucks right now, buy that domain. And, right. and back to Mike, your original point, when you buy it, hit the little checkbox that says auto renew the domain. Yeah. Then you don't have to worry about it expiring because you forgot to pay it. I can't tell you how many clients I've had who, you know, I'm like, your domain's down. What happened? I'm like, you probably got a renewal. Check your spam folder. Oh, yeah, here it is. What can I do? I'm like, go in there and see if you can renew it. Hopefully nobody scooped yeah. it up while it was sitting there. Um, auto renew your web server. Auto renew your domains. Because I've seen websites go down because they didn't pay their GoDaddy bill for the hosting. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And, um, you know, it's probably one of the cheapest things you can do as an artist, especially an independent artist. Of course, if you're 100% independent, you are paying a distributor to push out your music, with the exception of some that will take a percentage instead. But this is one of those really important investments because, like you said, it's real estate. You own that. The value is most likely going to go up, especially if you have a very generous, generic artist name that's very basic uh, that phrase or whatever that word is could end up uh, becoming something else and somebody may come to you and say you know what i really need it i'll give you two thousand dollars for it if you're not using it and you know you'll be glad that you at 20 dollars per year to acquire that uh, so yeah definitely get on there and claim that yeah. the other thing about that is you know without speculating in my experience, what I've seen, it makes it a lot easier if you, you know, if you own jgilbert.com or michaelbrandvold.com, it's a lot easier to go to Twitter Verified and go, well, I own jgilbert.com. I'm pretty sure I'm the jgilbert as, as far as .coms go. Can I get verified on Twitter as well? Uh, so, you know, it, it all sort of, it comes full circle. And um, 
you know, it's probably going to stop another artist deciding, hey, I'm going to use that name because nobody has the .com, uh, so it must be up for grabs. Yay! Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I would encourage people to actually use their domain and their website. So many times Michael and I will see an artist page and it's basically buy my album, see my show, buy my album, see my show. It's a lot of uh, bands in town notifications or it hasn't been updated. The, the image of the band has somebody in there who's not in the band anymore. This, this is something that anybody on any device can find you. And you know you don't have to build a very robust website. You want people, in my humble opinion, to get off of that site as soon as possible to go see your show, go you know experience your music. But if you've got a domain, if you've got a website, man, you gotta you gotta use that thing, and you gotta make sure that it's up to date because it's it's a reflection on you. Well, yep. add add that to your year end housekeeping. There you go. You know, here here's here's one that I didn't get to mention earlier. Go on your website. Go verify that that contact form that somebody built and installed on your website for booking the band actually works. Go send a message and see where it ends up. You might be surprised. It's not going to you. It's going to some old band member who's just right. deleting it. Right. Right. Verify that stuff on your website. Verify the the links to your social networks are working. Verify the link to your Spotify page works. Verify your bands in town link works. Are you the owner or are you admin? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> that can lead to problems. And we've seen yeah. it before where you lose access to your socials, to your website, because you allowed somebody else to do it for well, you. To to your exact point, I'm I'm dealing with a client right now who many years ago had had a woman volunteer to build and host his website for him. And that's, that's great. You know, a lot of times you don't have the money. So it, it was done for free. Well, looking into it for him, I've discovered the domain name is under her control. The website is hosted under her GoDaddy account. I, I said, listen, you, you've got no control. You can't do anything with this. Yeah, God you, you know, if, if she if she wanted to, she could just shut it down and delete it. And you've got no recourse because she's been paying it. It's listed as her ownership. So, yeah, make make sure you are the owner of the web server. Make sure you're paying the bill. Make sure you're paying the domain name. Somebody else can be building it and maintaining it. But make sure you retain ownership. And. And to that last point, when you sign a contract, and I've seen this not just in music, but many places, don't sign away control of your domain name when you sign a contract. You would be surprised how many people try and slip that in as a little clause in the contract that gives the new person control for the period of your domain name and your website. You don't want to do that. Definitely. Just keep that ownership, keep control. And like you said, if it's in the contract, you can simply say, no, I would prefer to keep control of my website. If we can take that out, I'm happy and I'll sign now, but we need to take that out first. Or, or you know, change it to, I, I will retain ownership, but for the period of this contract, I'll be happy to grant access 
to somebody else, but I will not change the the ownership. admin, the ownership of yeah. the domain. I will not change the ownership of the the web server. Um, you know, this also goes for email lists. I've seen record labels keep a band's email list after the band and the label part ways. And I'm just like, boy, they give the band a copy of it, but the label sits on a copy. And I'm like, you just gave 100,000 of your fans to the record label. And guess what? They're going to market everything else they've got to your fans. And you're not going to get a penny from that. That's it. And, you know, we, we should say there's not every deal is a bad deal. No, not at all. But but these are the thing. These are the things to to look out for. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. So um, I know we had a number of topics we wanted to talk about and we've touched on a lot. Of them. Um, pretty much everything else on here is about streams and playlists. Is there anything else you guys would like to discuss? You know, it's a. Uh, well, just really quickly, you know, when we talk about streams, gosh, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, a playlist is not a marketing plan. Streaming is sexy. Streaming is great. Some people equate streaming with radio. Some people think that that's the key to their success is just streaming. And streaming is great. And it's part of your marketing plan. It's part of the equation. And it's super important. But let's not get too crazy and make it the focus of your marketing plan. It's not the like, end goal. No, it's just, it's one, one part of it. Like we were talking about when, when somebody hears you at a live performance or they read about you in a music magazine, they don't go looking on playlists. They go to your profile on these digital service providers like Apple Music and Spotify. Um, make sure that they have a good impression of you. Same with your socials. Michael and I talk about this all the time. Because we see clients that have imaging on socials, DSPs, whatever, that doesn't properly represent who they are today. It has a band member that's not in the band anymore, or it's not consistent across you know, the, the digital service providers. There's so much you can do to brand and image yourself. But I, I think it's really important that we don't get caught up in in the drinking the Kool-Aid that if you just get on some playlists, you're you're a superstar. Yeah, playlists are pretty cool. It's great to be on those. And we've all seen clients that have had um, millions of streams and, and that's not a bad thing. It's 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 one metric that we measure, but there's so much more that you have to think about and not get lazy and look for that silver bullet. Yeah, absolutely. And um you know, I'm so glad you said it because I have to pretty much open every conversation now with playlists are not your entire marketing strategy and they're not even a marketing strategy in general. Right. And, you know, it's really funny because people go, but you're, you're the playlist guy. You talk about playlists. And I go, yeah, I talk about what I know and what I'm good at, but I want to be clear. Radio is still important. Merchandise is still important. Touring is still important. All of this is Everything is important. It, it all contributes to the overall growth long-term and potentially to your success as well. Uh, playlists are part of it and playlists can help. Like we said, it's very, very rare that you're going to get added to a playlist and you're going to blow up overnight. Yeah, it happens, but you're right. It's super rare, right? Um, I mean, my, uh, one of my favorite artists is this guy named Todd Snyder and he has this, this lyric that I always 
think about when people talk about this. The, the line goes, everybody wants the most they can possibly get for the least they can possibly do. And unfortunately, in this always on music business, you got to work a little bit harder. It's about engagement, you know, not just getting somebody to listen to you. If you're not in the top 15, 20 tracks in a playlist, that that engagement kind of goes down, right? I mean, it's sometimes you become background noise. And it's, look, I want my artist to be in every playlist and in the top 10 slots. And man, that would be really great. But there's so much more to do than just getting into a, a playlist. If it was that easy, everybody would do it. Yeah, you know, it it it, it goes, to me, it goes back to the basics again. If you can't even access, log in to Spotify for artists, why are you so worried about playlists? If you don't understand how streaming works, if you don't understand your contract with your label and what are you going to make from that stream, what do you think is going to happen here? It's there, there's, there is a lot of hype around playlists. And, and I'm not saying it's not warranted because it is a very valuable part of the whole process. But to sit here and go, that's my magic bullet. And if I hire the right promoter, he's going to get me added to all these playlists. Well, what, what do you, do you understand what that means when you get added? Because you just got added to a 5,000 song playlist and you're 4,999 in the list. Yeah. You're all excited. You paid the guy to get you there, but you're not getting any streams from it. Do you understand why? Do you understand what you need to do? Do you understand the 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 social media aspect of going out and driving your fans back to that playlist? Oh, you don't have any fans. Oh, okay. Well, then let's back up. Stop worrying about playlists because playlists aren't going to find you fans. You go find your fans yeah. first. One of the things I noticed that artists miss, and Mike, I, I I loved your book because it talks about a lot of these things. There's some, there's certain things that you can do uh, to help yourself. One of the things is let's let's take Spotify for example. You know that that artist pick, right? When somebody goes to your artist page, like when I hear a, a new artist, I don't go and look for playlists that they're in. I go to their artist profile on whatever digital service provider. Apple, Deezer, Amazon, wherever I'm at, right? So let's use Spotify as an example. You can go in and and change that artist pick and you can make that the tracks in the right order that you want people to discover you in and just simple things like that that when I see people who aren't doing the basics, you know, it's it's frustrating for me, but remember this is one one tactic in a larger arsenal of having a marketing plan. You know, what are you going to do for publicity or sync licensing? You know, what are you going to do to support your touring? How are you going to grow your audience? You know, there are a lot of people out there that would love your music if they heard it, right? The number one reason people aren't buying your music or streaming your music is because they haven't been exposed to it, right? How do you reach that audience? Those are the tactics that interest me the most. I think streaming, because it's the shiny new thing, gets a lot of attention and it can be very powerful. We've all seen artists come out of nowhere and blow up on streaming, but it's a bell curve. Most artists, it, it takes a, a lot more work than that. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, it, it is a lot of work. And, you know, sometimes there's multiple reasons why people don't get to that next level. And sometimes they don't know what work is involved. And that's why we're all here to tell you what you should be doing, where to focus that time. We understand that, you know, if you're um, in the early stages in your career, you're still working a day job and doing music in your spare time. Some established artists still have day jobs because they want that money to fall back on so that they don't feel like they need to constantly create and force that creativity. But, you know, we, there's people out there like us. Uh, there's many people out there that are just giving you this information and just saying, hey, if you've got some free time, here's what you should be doing. And like we've said, claim those profiles and just have a presence on there. Show people that if somebody's logging on to Deezer in France and they hear your song somehow, they click to your profile, they go, oh, okay. They've uploaded the photo. Their bio is on here. They're obviously paying attention. Uh, yeah, I'm going to follow them and see what else they're doing. Uh, and, you know, you only have to do that once, claim it, get that photo in there, get the bio in there, and then we can get to the once-a-year checklist if you need to update little bits and pieces. But it really is that simple. You know, boil some coffee, book out two hours of your time on a quiet week or just book it out anyway because it's so important. And then yeah. just go website to website, work your way down this list, you know, Angami, Geosaven. Uh, Deezer, uh, Cobuzz, you know, all of these different platforms, you may not necessarily be listening to music on them, but that doesn't mean that other people aren't discovering you on there because that's how they listen to music and consume music as much as right. we don't want to say right. consume. Um, I think that's but a good point, Mike. If I can interject really, really quickly, I think that's a point that a lot of people miss. They'll just throw up uh, you know, a Spotify link or, or something. It's so easy these days to just grab a smart URL. Whether you're paying for it or getting it for free, there's several services out there. I, you know, I love uh, Linkfire and I love Smart URL and and you know, I I think that you know there's so many great services that will aggregate all of those different services in one link that you can use everywhere, right? I think the services are out there for you. Make it easy for your fans, you know, to find you wherever they are, whatever country, whatever DSP they use. It's, yeah. it's easier now than ever to do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, just to uh, mention some of those DSPs that I said before, I have no doubt my pronunciation was <laughs> off. Uh, I'm, you could blame it on the accent, but to be honest, I haven't ever heard a voice ad for them, so I'm not sure how to say it. <laughs> but I encourage everybody to, you know, write in and tell us the correct pronunciation. Yeah, because I'm sure I got at least four out of the five incorrectly. I, I'm pretty sure I know how to say Spotify. Um, you know, I've had a lot of practice saying that over the yeah. years. Yeah. But let's see. What else do we have here? Well, we're actually we're going a lot longer than we planned on here. Are you guys okay to hang around a little bit longer? Sure. Sure. A few more minutes. All right. Let's do it. Um, you know what? This one got my interest. And um, oh my to gosh. be honest, had to do a little reading about it uh, to understand exactly what happened here, but who would like to kick this one off? I'd like to kick it off, and I'd love to hear what you guys think. I, I started hearing about this quite a while ago, and basically, for those who haven't heard of Direct Shot, and not, not to pick on them, but basically, the, the majors and the major indies, um, they all kind of decided something that was pretty smart, and that is, why should we all have separate distribution 
facilities and back ends when we could share that, right? In theory, that makes a lot of sense. And it's something that the industry was talking about for years. Well, they finally did it. But unfortunately, there have been a lot of problems. Um, there are shipments that never made it. There are shipments that come with uh, no packing slip. I mean, the problem- I, 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 lo- I love the one where they're like, well, we ordered 14 copies and we got 14 individual boxes with one CD right. in each box. Things like that, which it really affects physical, right? And it affects mostly uh, the independent um, stores, you know, like your Music Millennium or Amoebas or whatever's in your neighborhood. And I've been kind of following this story and I just thought it was a blip that it would be solved and then we would move on. But then I went to the Music Biz Conference, you know, in Nashville, which happens in May. And this last May, people were still talking about it. And then just about a month ago, uh, a friend of mine was still talking about it. So I reached out to a a dear friend of mine, um, Terry Courier, who runs Music Millennium, a great record store in Portland, Oregon. And I know he has strong opinions about these things. And he's a smart guy. So he wrote an op-ed for an industry trade email that I do called Your Morning Coffee. And I got a flood of feedback from that. And most of it was people saying, yeah, my store is going to go under because I can't get the shipments I'm ordering. Are they doing this on purpose to kill off physical goods? They're actually people who think that, right? And they're not. This is not intentional. But it's a... It's a debacle on a massive scale where the shipping of product, CDs, vinyl, to mostly independent record stores is an absolute mess. And this is on top of people going into a record store, their local record store, and saying, hey, do you have this, this music by so-and-so? Oh, no, that's, all, that's streaming only. It's like, oh, my gosh, folks. You've got fans that consume your music you know, whether it's a download still or, you know, streaming, physical, however they're consuming that music, you've got to make your music available to everybody, right? And you're just killing off independent retail, who is the lifeblood of the industry that brought all of this to, you know, to being healthy. Um, And now you're going to bite the hand that fed you. So, the bottom line is, um, Terry, you know, wrote this this op-ed it's, it's still a mess. There's still record stores that aren't getting their shipments or they're getting wrong shipments or they're not getting their new releases on street date. It's an absolute mess still. Jay, have you talked to anybody who is, who's like determined or attempted to determine what happened exactly? Where, yeah. where did the fault lie in this? Because yeah. as you said, in principle, the idea makes a lot of sense, but it also is an idea that takes incredible planning in advance to avoid a screw up. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I talk to folks that I know, you know, I worked at Universal for 18 years. I worked at Warner Music for five years, and I still talk to those those folks. And man, they are, they're so frustrated um, that this has gone on as long as it has, and they're trying to get it fixed. And in some areas they've made some good progress, but the fact that it's dragged out as long as it has is, is hurting uh, independent retail. Um, there are some that are, you know, that could go out of business because of this. 
Um, and we don't need that, you know, in, in our industry. Um, it's really, it's really a challenge and there's some finger pointing, you know, I was going to say, are, 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 is this at the stage now where, because it's majors and major indies that people are covering their ass basically, it's like, oh crap, I can't, I can't be the one to take the fall for this major screw up. It can't be me personally. It can't be our company that is the one responsible for this screw up. It's your company. Is Do you feel and like that's what's to, starting well, to happen? Yes, and there's some truth to that because the the majors, major indies, and for those that don't know, like, you know, you've got your major like WIA, Warner Electric Atlantic, and they have a major indie, uh, you know, which j just um, – is ADA, but happens to be part of that same company. And, you know, all the, all the majors have this and they're, they're not taking blame for it because they, other than the fact that they went into this partnership, um, they thought that this direct shot company, um, they thought that the, it could handle everything. Um, but there's so much that goes into logistics um, and it's been a challenge and there's two things here. One, there's that initial challenge and those problems, but two, fixing them. And that's what's been the Achilles heel here is that it's taken so long to fix that now it's doing a lot of harm, um, to the industry. And look, these are smart people. They're, they're out there trying to fix all of this. Um, but as we're, in this new music industry, we, we talk about streaming a lot, right? And, you know, downloads a little bit less, you know, internet radio is still out there. There's still other ways that people consume music, but for people like us that deal in digital music a lot, we also have to step back and go, there are still tons of people who want something tactile. There's still tons of people that like to support their local record stores. You know, I'm a big fan of record store day, but there's also certain things that for artists that I have that I want to have the vinyl or I want to have that physical piece. It's still a very big part of this industry. It's not an all digital industry. And I feel like those in independent retail right now feel like this is kind of a slap in the face to them. It's not intentional, but it is a huge problem in the music industry right now. Is this, does this, does this fall on direct shot? Are they the ones that oversold this, weren't prepared, promised what couldn't be delivered? I don't know if that's true, but that's what the general consensus is when you talk to folks from the majors and major indies. They're saying that this was not executed properly. I don't know what, what happened. I wonder if it'll ever be discovered. I mean, this could be one of these things where, you know, nobody takes blame, but we all acknowledge that it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really quietly in the background becoming um, a, a larger mess. I know there's a piece coming out um, on billboard. I think Glenn Peoples is writing it. Um, that's going to be out pretty soon about this situation. So, you know, to be continued, um, but man, what a mess. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I'm still just sort of reading into it at the moment. So um, I appreciate you both giving a little more insight into exactly what's happening there and what has happened so far. It's, um, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the, the whole physical 
retail side of music. And I mean, it's not necessarily dead by any means. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, seeing CDs getting pulled out of, of retail stores and things like that. But, you know, that happened to vinyl, that happened to cassette tape, but then vinyl made a comeback because it became cool. It became a collector's item. You know, yeah. one thing that artists always forget is you can sell a, your album on vinyl, on CD, on cassette tape, and people will buy it even if they have no way of playing it or listening to it. Right. It becomes art. It gets hung up on the wall. Or it's just a collector's item that they like to keep. It was a it was a purchase that made them feel good at the time. Or they were at your show, they had a great time and wanted to yeah. spend it. Maybe they got it signed at the show. It comes yeah. with a download card, a lot of them, so you can have the digital music too. It all you put it up in your office and it shows how cool you are, whatever it is, right? You know, when I go to shows, I want to support those artists that I go see. And when I go to the merch table and they've got a really cool piece of vinyl or something, I, I want that, you know, I want to, you know, put that on my wall or, you know, I happen to have a, a turntable, but even if I didn't, I would want to support them with that and it's something cool you can get signed. And yeah, it's, it's really a challenge for independent artists right now because it's, it's a digital world, but yet people still want souvenirs from shows. People still want to connect with you. And if you're an Uber fan and all of us are for certain artists, we want to support them in a way that's beyond just streaming their music. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the cool part about it, somebody purchases that album or that single or that EP at your show and they go home and they start streaming your music. So you've just made this extra little piece of um, revenue, this extra piece of income for yourself and your fan feels good about it. They're happy. And, um, you know, there's no reason why you can't have both. I mean, look at Taylor Swift. You know, it's a pretty extreme example, but I went into Target the other day and there were four, I'm, I'm sure there were at least four deluxe versions of her most recent album, all different covers, slightly different to each other, numbered, you know, limited edition one, limited edition two, et cetera. Yeah. There's big money to be made if you're offering something that is exclusive, that is unique. And uh, I had a conversation recently, and I forget who it was with, but um, it was a really cool idea that this band had uh, where at their show they announced that, hey, we got copies of our, um, you know, our latest album over there or we've, we've got copies of our, our EP. And if you purchase it, there's actually a song on there that is exclusive. It's the only place that you're going to be able to hear it right now. They sold out of everything that they had at that gig because people yeah. The only place I'm going to hear it is if I buy it now. I want that. I want to own that. I want yeah. to be the first because we all love to be the first. Yeah. And surely enough, that song went on streaming two to, two to four weeks later. Nobody was mad because they still had it first. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's just one of many creative ideas that are out there that will help you to sell those physical goods, uh, sell those CDs. You yeah. Know, Bundle those download download codes with that T-shirt. People may not use the download code, but they still appreciate it. And it's cool to know that if they wanted to get your new song a few days before it goes up on streaming, they've got that download code and they could do that. Yeah, I'm still a big fan of, of physical and it still has its place. There are a lot of us that listen to a lot of digital music, but, you know, I worked in record stores for a long time. You know, I worked at Tower Records and uh, I worked at Rising Sun Records and I, 
I, I still love that. And when I go to shows, I want to support those artists, you know, at the merch table. Right. And I still think there's a market for it. And, you know, yeah, vinyl is, is definitely, you know, come back to some degree and, and it's super cool and, and I like it, but I think you're short-sighted if you don't cover all those bases. Don't leave anybody out in the cold. If somebody wants to consume, you know, your music, whether it's download, streaming, physical, you know, vinyl, whatever it is, you know, I think that you need to make that available. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's funny, I was just looking at the comments that came in from uh, Demigod, who uh, said downloads, I am now downloading on streaming. That's mm -hmm. correct. But at the same time, downloading the song offline, as soon as you stop that subscription, you're losing it. Obviously, what we're talking about is physically owning that and download to own file. It's yours. No matter what happens, it's there. And, uh, you know, this kind of takes us back to the early iTunes days where you would purchase a song, but then you would be able to burn it onto a disc, burn it onto as many discs as you would like, to have one in the car, one for home, um, you know, and now it's uh, you can download it offline onto your devices once again, but it is tied to that subscription. And as soon as you cancel that, this, and not just music, the same with Netflix and Hulu, who both have offline mode now, mm -hmm. uh, the second that subscription ends, those downloads, you've only got a few days left and then they're gone. Yeah. So... Uh, I, I agree. I still love owning music and maybe that's the DJ in me coming back out. Uh, it's been a few years, but just to be able to go, I love this piece of music. I'm going to purchase it so that I always own it to listen to. And anytime I want to play it, I have that song there at my disposal in my library. And um, that's, that's how I've always been with music. I mean, yes, I love stream yeah. of access to all of these songs, but I also, there's been times where there's albums that are simply not available on streaming for whether it's territory restricted or whether it's, uh, you know, the, the label just pulled it down when, uh, you know, things ended between yeah. them and us, whatever the reason. So to be able to own that is really important, especially when it's music that you love, that you're going to continue to love for a lifetime. I mean, yeah. any of an album, if I hear it on streaming, I'll go and buy it on vinyl just so I can say I own this. Yeah. What happens, I own it. And once again, piece of art goes on the wall. I don't Right. Know. You can't sign a download, right? And when you have that physical thing, you can put that on your wall. You can get it signed. You can, you know, it's almost like art. And it's a different, you know, it's a different configuration, but it's also a different level of, you know, the fan experience. And I think by not making that available, you're limiting yourself. And I think the artists that get it and that are successful, they look at their fan base and they provide all the different products for their fan base. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, people are gonna, however, however people wanna get your music, however they want to engage with you, you know, just give them options. You know, some people will, and, and I feel like the ultimate goal for an artist is not so much for somebody to buy your music or even to buy your T-shirt, but for somebody to willingly take that T-shirt and wear it out proudly. They're, yep. they're marketing you. They're, they're doing that because they love you 
and they love your music so much that they're prepared to pay for that piece of advertising, that T-shirt, and wear it out, which is which is just mind-blowing to be able to see that level of support. Uh, so, you know, it's funny. Artists are so focused on I, I need to get this number of streams, this number of playlists. Yes, that, that's cool. That's important. But, you know, to actually have somebody wear your T-shirt proudly is different just, kind of engagement, right? That is the big goal. That is a that is a lifetime fan right there. They're going to buy your merch. They're going to buy the, those physical CDs. They're going to stream your music. They're going tell to tell people about your music. Yeah. Give me 1,000 of those over 100,000 people I don't know any day of the yeah. week. Yep. Give, me the, give me the real ones, the lifelong fans, and I'll 100%. give back to them. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, Jay, I noticed that we uh, you dropped off for a few seconds. I did. No, right? so I'm, I know where I went. We've, we've got we've got the wrong button, didn't down, you? But maybe it's a sign that um, the party may be over for us. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. <laughs> well, is there anything else you guys wanted to add? Otherwise, we'll jump into telling people where they can find you and follow you and all that good stuff. Cool. I I don't. I think we covered a lot of really good a lot of stuff. ground. Yeah. All right. Cool. So in that case, let's start with Michael. Uh, so what we'll do is uh, if you want to tell people where they can find you on Twitter, then Instagram and LinkedIn, I'll put them up on the screen as well here. All right. So Twitter is Michael SB. Mm -hmm. And Instagram Instagram is Michael Brandvold Marketing. And LinkedIn is, there you go, it's M <laughs> Brandvold. Um, I don't think LinkedIn has any short, nice user IDs like the others do yet, but there you can find me there and, and you can find me on michaelbranvold.com and I've got links to everything on there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. Perfect. And once again, another example of owning your.com because you can just tell everyone michaelbranvold.com and all yep. the links are there. Yeah. Uh, Jay, let's jump over to you as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. let's take Michael Brandvold off the screen. We've got Jay. Um, so, Jay, we've got your – now, I couldn't find your Instagram, but we've got your Twitter here. Very yep. easy. That's, that's my Twitter, at uh, Jay Gilbert. Um, Instagram, I'm in the process of relaunching it. Um, I'm, you know, on the weekends I'm a photographer, and uh, I'm putting together kind of more of a photography-type uh, Instagram. Very cool. And LinkedIn as well. I mean, it's a little bit oh, long. That's, a, that's a long there, one. But, yeah. Um, fortunately, there's not too many Jay Gilberts yeah. on LinkedIn, so you should yeah. be very easy to find. And um, obviously, I'll be directing everyone in the comments as well with some clickable links to make it easy. Thank you. Yeah, the, the only thing I would add to that is um, I do a, uh, a weekly music industry kind of trade email called Your Morning Coffee. Um, and, uh, you can subscribe for free, uh, take a look at that. And, uh, you know, Michael and I do a snazzy little, uh, podcast every week, yeah. music biz weekly podcast. And you can find that everywhere. You could find podcasts. Yep. And thank you for that, Mike. That's all right. You, no, fortunately I was off camera frantically typing going, <laughs> I've got to get that up on the screen as well. Well played, uh, sir. Well played. Yeah, no, look, and 
I want to say thank you to you both as well. Uh, as a listener of the Music Biz Weekly podcast, it was you know, pretty exciting for me to be able to be part of it recently as well. And to um, obviously, I must have must have left a good impression because here we are once again. Yeah. And we all got the memo with the hats and the glasses as well. It's there um, you go. It's a beautiful thing. It yeah. really yep. is. So um, yeah. Look, any any closing statements before we wrap this up? Otherwise, I think we'll sort of head into uh, Q and A in the comments offline after this for anyone that's kicking around or anybody that happens to rewatch this stream later as well. All I would say is go clean up all of your accounts now that you got some quiet time. I like it. Yeah, Jay. No, that's that's it. Um, you, you I, said enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both once again for your time for joining me here today. And thank you, uh, Mike. Everyone that's been watching, make sure you follow these gentlemen, and uh, you know they're they're just here to help you, and they're here to save you time and tell you what you should be doing and telling you what you shouldn't be doing as well. Yeah. So thank you. Have a fantastic week. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike.